Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and I'll be reading from reading from verse 15 down to verse 21. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 15. The Bible says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, beside women and children. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for your precious word. We thank you for the blessings that we receive because of your word. And I thank you, dear Lord, for all that you do in our lives and for meeting needs, answering prayers, opening doors, and for even chastisement that we receive from you to help us to be on the right path. Dear Lord, I ask for your blessings tonight as your word goes forth. Use it to strengthen and to challenge each and every heart. Give me the words you'll have me to say, and I pray that there'll be a source of strength and encouragement Save someone who's lost, and I pray that the heart of every believer will be stirred and changed as we seek to do your will. Take full control of your divine way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Generally speaking, I believe that it is safe to say that people in general like things that are big. Big houses, big cars, big bank accounts, big planes, big cities, big hotels, big churches. Probably one of the few things that we don't like big is problems. Let the church say Amen. We want those to come in small sizes if they have to come at all. But generally, I believe that we tend, as people, human beings, to look down on small things. We here in the islands, and maybe even more so, I don't want to say more so, but I believe it's our experience, even here on a small island, Nevis, We've heard the refrain, small island. And the implication when that is said is that it's not really a positive thing. But there are many benefits to being on a small island, which I'm not going to get into tonight, but generally speaking, you hear these things. But let me say tonight that when it comes to ministry and the things of God, 
God specializes in using small things. Things that are despised to confound those who think somehow falsely that God needs our resources. He needs our size. He needs our ability to get his work done. And when you read the pages of scripture, you would find encounter after encounter, story after story, where God wanted people, men, women, boys, and girls, no matter what race, background, nationality, to understand that I'm a God who can use anything and anybody. The famous story of David versus Goliath echoes that very thought. Israel was running scared. Why? Because Goliath was, was this giant and everybody was cowering in the face of this giant. And David understood that I'm coming to him in the name of the Lord. And even when David approached him, he was insulted that they would send this young lad. Why? He was so small. But David, with a slingshot in his hand, and the power of God upon his life slew the big giant. Why? Because God is able. God can use small things, small people. Think of the story of Elijah going to the woman of Zarephath. And he approaches her and says to her, bring me the meal. She says, I have just one little small amount left. And he says, bake me a cake first. She knew she didn't have much. But when she gave it and was obedient to the man of God, God multiplied it and she had meal for many days. Israel, time and time again throughout their history, were a small nation coming up against mighty nations. And every time when they were in the hand of God, in the will of God, God whipped them every single time. God is a God who is able to use small things. And we find our text here tonight, similar sentiment. And I want us to look at this text tonight and a message I've entitled for us as we continue this series, A Ministry to Pattern. I believe Jesus was teaching a lesson in this very famous miracle, one that is recorded in all four Gospels. And as we think of ministry and how we should function, I want us to challenge, be challenged tonight by this thought, by way of the title of this message. Don't be intimidated by little. Don't be intimidated by little. Jesus wanted us to understand what, 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 what they should have learned all throughout the, the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Listen, when there is little, when it's in my hands, listen, it can be used to do great things. Don't be intimidated by little. Now notice, first of all, and jot down, we have the problem. 
the problem. Now the Bible says in verse number 15, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Now, a problem existed. You say, what was the problem? Well, notice with me that same verse. The Bible says the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. So here you have this multitude and they're in a desert place, a place that is hot, dry, void of food, void of water. They're in a tough environment. That's a problem. But the problem was all further enhanced by the fact that the Bible says the time is now past. It was late. Which means that it was going to get dark soon, probably. They were out for a long period of time. And we notice the problem also is further explained. The time is now past. Sell the multitudes away that they may go into the villages to buy themselves victuals. You know what the other problem was? A problem that nobody likes. People were hungry. Now you talk about a major problem. I mean, when people are hungry, listen, there's some people turn into a different person altogether. I mean, you can't recognize them. I mean, they're normally nice, nice, nice people. But when they're hungry, I'm telling you, you want to know, wait, is this the same person? Because, listen, hunger is a major problem. So, there was a problem here. And so understand that when it comes to God doing something amazing... It often is prefaced by a problem. We face all kinds of problems in life. And it seems that in 2022, I mean, problems seems to be of, seem to be of greater magnitude than ever before. I mean, it seems as though problems are being invented. New kinds of problems are arising that we've never seen before. We got physical problems, financial problems, emotional problems, mental problems, social problems, psychological problems. The list can go on and on and on. Problems. But notice with me the proposals. The proposals. Problems require solutions. And so there were proposals being made in this text as to how to solve the problem. You notice that when problems arise, everybody has their own opinion as to how the problem ought to be addressed. Because we understand and recognize that we don't like living with problems. We want to address it. We want to fix it. Why? Because we want the problem to go away. We want the problem to disappear. We're currently in the throes of an election campaign. 
And election campaigns are filled with candidates and the electorate claiming to know how to fix problems. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And I've noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, that those who are, and this happens either way, just so you know, no matter who is not in office, they always know exactly how to fix the problem until they get in there. And after they get in there, they realize, boy, this problem here is harder to fix than I thought. It's not as easy as it looked. But the cycle goes on. Once you're not in, you have all the answers. Proposals. Manifestos, as they say. But notice in this text that the problem had some proposals. The first proposal was presented by the disciples. The Bible says in verse number 15 and that we read, the disciples' proposals involved, look at this, sending the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. So here was what disciples' proposal. Jesus, send these people away. Let them find food for themselves. Let them figure it out. That, that was their proposal for the problem. Now, I don't know how you were taught as a child growing up. But when I was growing up, and my siblings would attest to this, that you were taught that if you were to go to your neighbor's house, and we, that I tell my children all the time, that was one of the fun times of our youth, that we could go to other people's house and play in the yard and all this stuff. I guess we live in a different time now, but when you go to your neighbor's house and you're playing with your friends, anytime it comes close or you detect that they are getting ready to eat, make sure you head home. You may say, that sounds strange. But why would you do that? The reason why that was good advice is because they may not have enough food for you. And you don't want to put them in a position to ask you to leave or to have their share cut short. So, you go home. You all look at me strange. Maybe you all weren't taught that in your house. Anybody was taught that? Oh, okay. All right? Not just me. All right? So, they, but look at this text. The disciples were saying to Jesus, these people who are out here with you all the time, that's not our problem. Send them away. Let them figure out food for themselves. You ever go to somebody with a problem and the person tells you, listen, that's not my problem. That's somebody else to figure out or you're going to have to figure it out on your own. That was the disciples' proposal. But I want you to look at Jesus' proposal. 
Look at what Jesus said to them in verse number 16. But Jesus said unto them, he had a different proposal. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Jesus' proposal was complete opposite. He was saying to them, let them stay. You feed them. You take on the responsibility of solving this problem. So two completely different proposals. But notice thirdly tonight, I want you to notice here in this passage, the provision. The provision. Now in verse number 17, they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. Now understand with me, you have a problem. The two proposals presented and there is some provision. But what's the problem with the provisions? The provisions are small. Five loaves and two fish. I mean, from a human perspective, that's enough for the little boy. I mean, I'm sure most of you might be saying, listen, that's not even enough for an adult. Five loaves and two fish. And who knows what kind of fish they were. Right? Some are saying sprat. <laughs> Whatever it was, it definitely was not going to suffice for 5,000 men plus women and children. Most people would tell you that there probably were about 15,000 people there. Because wherever you have men following Jesus, you're almost bound to have more women and then children as well. So here you have, uh, uh, I mean, resources that just seem like there's no way these provisions are going to fix this problem. And isn't that how we feel oftentimes when we look around at our problems? The provisions that we have seem so small. So much to do, but so little time available. Doesn't it seem like we need more hours in the day to get what we need done, done? So much to do. So little money to get what we want done. And then you have the cost of living going up and up and up and up. And what money used to do a year ago, the same money cannot accomplish it. So it seems smaller and smaller. Sometimes it seems like we have so much to do, but so few people to get it done. Sometimes we have so much to do, and it seems like we don't have enough energy to get it done. The reality is, from our perspective and from our standpoint, the provisions that are available just seem so small. But notice with me, fourthly, the plan. A plan is laid out here in verses 18 and 19. Now look with me what the Bible says. And Jesus, Jesus, his approach to this problem. The Bible says in verse 18, he said, 
bring them hither to me. Now, if we're going to address problems in light of our small resources, our limited provisions, here's the first thing we're going to have to do. We're going to have to place the provisions in Jesus' hands. In other words, we're going to have to commit and dedicate what we have to God. That should not be too hard. You know why? It all belongs to him. He's the one that gave it. He's the one that knows what needs to get done. Understand with me that Jesus knew that in this multitude was five loaves and two fish that were going to be made available to him. He knew that the provisions were there. By the way, I'm convinced that other people had fish and bread somewhere on them. There's no way you could convince me that 15,000 people, out of all of them, all they could find in all that is five loaves and two fish. But listen, God is able to use what is made available to him. So whatever it is that's going to be used, it must be placed in the hands of God. It must be committed to him. It must be dedicated to him. It must be yielded to him. Now imagine if this, this little boy said, you are crazy. My five loaves and two fish that my mother packed in my bag for me, you all want me to give it to who? What if that was his attitude? You know, God can do great things when we sacrifice what we have for him. Now, you, you think with me. What did this little boy think was going to happen? I believe he had to think that he wasn't going to go hungry. But he made available what he had. The plan was, first of all, to place the provisions in Jesus' hands. Notice, secondly, what Jesus did. And we must do and think when God is going to use little to accomplish much. Prepare the people to receive. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. You notice that? Jesus said to the disciples, get the people ready to eat. My friend, part of our plan, if God is going to use our little, and we're not going to be intimidated by little, we must expect God to do something in spite of our limited resources. That's so key. We have to walk in faith that God is going to use this little to do something great. 
I keep referring to Hebrews 11 and verse 6 in multiple messages, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You read all throughout the Gospels, Jesus challenged his disciples time and time and time again that God, in doing miraculous things in our lives, God makes our expectation a requirement. In other words, God is saying to, your, to us, you must expect me to do something if I'm going to do it. If you don't expect me to do it, don't expect me to do it. You know why expectation is so important? An expectation is a demonstration of faith. Is that by expecting God to do it, we are saying, God, you are not limited by what we do not have. That's what God wants us to understand. He wants us to realize... He is not limited by how much we have or don't have. Because he wants us to put our faith and our confidence in him and not what we have. And that is why faith moves God. Because the faith and the confidence is not in ourselves, it's not in what we have, but it's in who he is. So God is saying, if you're not going to believe who I am, then Figure it out. And here's, here's something else to note on this matter of expectation. When we expect something, we ask for it. You realize that? You realize that if you don't believe Think of how you deal with people who you request something of. If you are fully convinced that if I ask this person for something, they are not going to give me, you know what the likelihood is that you're going to do? You're not going to ask them. If you think you asked this per- a person for a thousand dollars, and there is no way on earth they're going to give you. I'm not going to bother. But if you have some feeling that they will, you ask. You know what that says? That we have to expect that God is going to give us. Because if we are praying without expecting, we're wasting time. We're just going through some kind of mundane ritual and routine. And God is saying, that doesn't work. So Jesus says, prepare the people to receive. And then notice the final part of this plan. Pray for God's blessings. The Bible says, and he looking up to heaven, he blessed 
and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. My friend, when it comes to prayer, here's why prayer is so powerful. Prayer ought to be because we expect to receive. Because the reality is, as people, we don't like to hear no. When you go to the bank for a loan, you, you, you put in an application because you believe that you qualify to receive it. If you feel there is no way on earth that you qualify, you don't waste your time. Here's what happens when we pray. It ought to be that our prayer is motivated by a belief that God will do it. So because I believe that God will do it, God, I'm praying to you. Because my prayer is supported by belief. And so Jesus prayed for God's blessings. Now notice Jesus was God, but he was doing this as an example to us. What do you do when you have little? What an amazing plan. We've seen God do some amazing things here at Shiloh in using little to accomplish much. Why? Because it was supported by a belief that God is going to do it. No one calls the backhoe and the excavators and digs a massive hole in the ground a couple of months before a conference planning to build a building without believing in his heart of hearts that before this conference will happen, where delegates are coming from all around the Caribbean and maybe all around the world, that this building is going to be erected. Can you imagine the embarrassment if it is not? So you have to believe that, listen, we're going to put this hole, this building is going to go up because God is able to do it. And not only God is able, God will do it. Don't be intimidated by little. And notice finally here tonight the power. When the plan is executed, it unleashes God's supernatural power. Look at verse number 20. And they did what? All eat. I mean, you think that is the most miraculous part of the miracle? No. It's the next part. And were filled. They were filled. That is amazing. I mean, there's some people who eat and eat and you seem like they never filled. But the Bible says they were all filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. That's another amazing miracle. Because I believe some people had some stuff in their bag to carry home. 
and they still had 12 baskets filled. Some people had some baskets going home with bread and fish. I'm convinced of that. It's not just 2022 where these things happen. The power of God. God performed a miracle. God specializes in doing what seems impossible. I notice I said seems impossible. Because impossible is not in God's vocabulary. It's in ours. And notice the needs were met. People were fed. And the problem was resolved because there was not intimidation based on the little that was available. Jesus was teaching us a lesson. You're going to find yourself in some circumstances where it seems like what you have cannot do the job. Don't be intimidated. Put it in the hands of the Lord. Dedicate it to him. Let him do something special with it. We've heard that song and we've sung that song. Little is much when God is in it. In the harvest field now ripened, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest calling you. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. In the mad rush of the Broadway, in the hurry and the strife, tell of Jesus' love and mercy. Give to them the word of life. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it and he'll not forsake his own. Are you laid aside from service, body worn from toil and care? You can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. When the conflict here is ended and your race on earth is run, he will say if we are faithful, welcome home, my child, well done. Let's not be intimidated. I know we have a human nature, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Boy, how are we going to get this figured out? But when God is in it, the little is much. What are you going to make available to God? You believe your talent is little? You believe your treasure is insignificant? You believe your time is so strained and under such high demand? Give it to God and watch him use it in amazing ways for his honor and for his glory when we are engaged in doing his work. Don't be intimidated by little.